Welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast, where we talk to C-level leaders from across the payments landscape. We'll be discussing the products and services that impact the payment space today, as well as trends and predictions for the future of payments. We will also hear stories from our guests about their journeys to the top. FinTech very much is one of our two very key verticals. The other one we call our embedded finance vertical. And there you're talking about usually much larger companies, big brands, if you will, that want to embed a financial product, but don't want to become financial services companies. That was Trent Sorby, president and founder of Central Payments, and he is our special guest this week. This is episode 116 of the Leaders in Payments podcast, and I'm your host, Greg Myers. Trent is a small-town Midwesterner. He grew up in Iowa, went to college in Iowa, and has been in South Dakota for the last 20 years or so. Central Payments is the payment subsidiary of Central Bank of Kansas City. In 2013, the bank started to think about future growth and approached Trent to start Central Payments in 2014. Central Payments has two customers, traditional fintechs and embedded finance, which are bigger companies that want to embed a financial product but don't want to become financial services companies themselves. Trent talks about the OpenCP, which is their API marketplace where customers can come in and get access to financial products. He also discusses Falls Fintech, which is their early stage accelerator program. We've got a great episode today, so let's get started. Hi, Trent. Thank you for being here and welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast. Hello, Greg. Very happy to be with you. So let's dive right in. Tell our audience a little bit about yourself, maybe where you grew up, where you went to school, where you currently live, a few things like that. Sure. I'm your quintessential small town Midwestern guy. I grew up in Iowa, went to college in Iowa, spent really most of my career in the Midwest, the last 20 or so here in beautiful South Dakota. So pride myself on being sort of a small town person, enjoying the beautiful area that we live here, lots of outdoor recreation activities that, you know, the upper Midwest has to offer. So very much a Midwestern guy. Okay. We'll dive into your professional journey here in a minute, but let's talk first about central payments. Can you tell the audience what central payments does? Sure. Central payments is the payment subsidiary of Central Bank of Kansas City. So CBKC is a small community bank, a CDFI actually, serving Northeast Kansas City, very economically deprived area that really has not enjoyed historically the full breadth of financial products and services. And uh, CBKC has been in that neighborhood, serving that neighborhood since the 1950s, family owned by the same family throughout that whole time. And back in 2000. 13, started to think about where's future growth from the bank going to come. Deposits fuel banks, as everybody knows. And if you're coming out of the economic recession that really the whole country was coming out of in 2008, 2009, you know, CBKC was really faced with where are deposits going to come from. And if the neighborhoods we serve suffer from three times the rate of unemployment that the rest of the metropolitan area suffers, you know, that's hard to grow a bank because if people aren't working, they're generally not making deposits. And so Central Bank at that time was thinking about, is there an opportunity for us to grow and attract deposits through fintech relationships and payment products in general? And approached me and together started Central Payments in 2014. And really what we do is function very much as the payments fintech division for the bank, creating relationships with fintech and embedded finance companies really throughout the world, again, 
trying to serve not just low and moderate income consumers, which certainly find lots of payment products attractive, but really offering the full breadth of financial services. And so extending the reach of what was a small community bank in a very concentrated geographic area of Kansas City to really, you know, right now the fastest growing issuer of prepaid cards in the country. Okay. And your customers are typically other fintech organizations? Yeah, we look at our customers generally in two categories. One, I always refer to as, you know, the typical fintech building user experience and interesting products and have interesting ways to attract consumers building product in a sort of a decentralized or what I want to say, sort of a satellite situation where they're creating user experiences under a brand and needing bank relationships and access to the payments ecosystem for their satellite system to operate, if you will. And so fintech very much is one of our two very key verticals. The other one we call our embedded finance vertical. And there you're talking about you know, usually much larger companies, big brands, if you will, that want to embed a financial product, but don't want to become financial services companies. And so come to us for sort of the one-stop shop, just like the fintech, albeit for a different reason is that, you know, the larger brands see the value of embedded finance, but at the same time, don't want to take the time to put all the pieces and the parts together. So we like to think we speak to both of those, you know, rapidly growing verticals. Okay. And how big is the company? So central payments right now, in the five years, we are going to cross 100 employees here very soon. Just expanded into our second physical office location, going to move into Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Right now, we're in a small community just outside of Sioux Falls. So two offices, a number of remote employees managing a number of relationships with all of those fintech and embedded finance companies. Um, and we think you know a whole lot more growth to come. And I know you have a couple of strategic initiatives that I want to dive into. One is the, and correct me if I'm wrong in the way I say it, but the Open CP, is that the right way of saying it? Yeah, our Open CP, we refer to it as our API marketplace. And really Open CP is a native to the cloud, open API platform that you know, those two verticals I just spoke of, whether it's a early stage fintech or a very mature embedded company can come into that effectively a gateway, an API gateway to get access to every service necessary to support a financial product of almost any kind. And so we built OpenCP with the idea of, you know, sort of being a one-stop shop for companies that, you know, might find the prevailing model, the pieces and the parts that I referred to earlier, you know, not particularly attractive. And I think the reality is we look at that platform as a huge differentiator in the marketplace, particularly since we're one of the few operators of a banking as a service platform that is actually a bank. And so we look at our bank charter and our ability to support products as a bank as one of the key features and functionalities of the platform. So Unlike the prevailing model, which almost always has a bank sort of out on the fringe, not particularly embedded in the technology, uh, we always say that if, you know, when you connect to us, you're talking to your technology provider and your bank at the same time. And, you know, we think that sort of streamlined structure and vertical is good for companies that are thinking about speed to market, good for companies that are thinking about a much more straightforward structure. We think eliminating a lot of the pieces and the parts also creates a more compelling financial relationship with our partners. And so OpenCP was really our key initiative to drive differentiation in the marketplace. And I would assume what comes with the bank relationship is expertise around compliance and regulatory challenges and things like that. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, we think between the technology, the charter, and then really underlying subject matter expertise, you know, I think our partners find their relationship with us to be very, very collaborative. And I think a lot of partners that particularly earlier stage fintechs that really want to focus on, you know, the user experience and don't necessarily want to make huge investments in compliance or huge contracts with large providers for other key services. And they just want to focus on their ability to acquire customers and prove to investors they can acquire customers affordably. And the idea that we can handle a lot of that for them, I think is really attractive to the fintech community. Yeah, absolutely. So you also own an accelerator. Do you want to talk about that a little bit too? Yeah. At first blush, people sometimes are confused like how they all work together. But in 2019, we launched Falls Fintech and Falls Fintech is an early stage accelerator. We launched Falls Fintech because one of the things we saw as we spent more time with fintechs was that there was just this divide or this, I always refer to it as a bit of a canyon that had to be bridged better than what it has. You know, the the fintech is approaching financial services from a completely different angle than traditional banks. And so in order to make that partnership work, we just saw a need we were really just looking for ways in which we could bridge that canyon that I mentioned. And so we looked at an accelerator as a great way to really take companies that have fantastic products and ideas and really embed them with central payments for 12 weeks and really educate one another. I always say it's not about teaching the fintech everything about banking. We've got a lot to learn from fintechs too. And so false fintech was really a way for us to sort of incubate, if you will, our fintech vertical. And and really accelerate, in many cases, the launch of products for these fintechs. Because once you come in and spend 12 weeks with us, you're not only among all of the subject matter experts that I mentioned, but you're coding into our API at that time. You're in our sandbox. You're learning from key players in the space that are coming in, spending time with the startups. And so we think it's false fintech was built to solve the last mile challenge for fintechs. And, you know, we think with all those things I just mentioned, that's proving itself out as we now embark on our fourth cohort. So we're up to 20 companies and those that came through early on are coming to market with us right now. And and we think they're coming to market sooner than what they would otherwise. Are most of those companies from the Midwest or can they be anywhere? No, they're very much global. Um, that's the interesting thing about it. In the cohort right here, we have a company that's already live in India. We have two founders, um, one that lives in Moscow and came to Sioux Falls to spend time with us. And so in past cohorts, I can think of folks from Kenya, one company that came through, as well as you know companies and founders from all over the country. So in fact, I think we've only had one of the 20 companies I would consider to be local. The other 19 have come from really all over. Hmm, that's pretty fascinating. Well, you mentioned OpenCP as being a differentiator. What other ways do you feel like you're different from your competitors out there? I think if you look at the prevailing model of what folks typically would always say, you know, I need to go find a sponsor bank. And we view sponsor bank, you know, almost as a swear word around here. And in more traditional model that I mentioned earlier, you know, you were having to create relationships with all of these unconnected entities. None of those relationships were going at the same pace. They're all expensive to set up. And so I think one of the very fortunate things about starting Central Payments when we did in 2014 is we really came in and rode the wave of fintech. And I think when we came in right away and we said, or we came in at that time and we said, 
you know, how do we differentiate ourselves in the marketplace? The first thing we said, it had to be technology. We saw where the market was going. We saw the emergence of fintech and we said, you know, companies are going to want more from their bank partner. And there's no reason in our mind that the bank partner can't be the provider of key technology and can't be the provider of subject matter expertise around things like compliance and data security and AML, BSA, and all those product development, you know, really all of those things. And so we just set out from the get-go and said, you know, we want to be more than a sponsor bank. Okay. And where do you see the payments industry heading, say, in the next two to three years? I continue to believe that payments is going to continue to run down two parallel and probably pretty distinct paths. I continue to believe in the whole concept of embedded finance. I think big brands that have very compelling products are going to continue to look for ways to embed financial services inside of that product delivery. And I continue to see fintechs building what I always refer to sort of as satellite applications that consumers are going to want to use independent of whatever their other relationships are. And so I think what that tells financial institutions is, A, do I really want to be in the product business anymore and compete with either one of those very compelling models? Or B, should I be more focused on what we always say, a custodian of value for the consumer? Let the consumer decide you know, the financial products and services and experiences they want and let the bank be sort of the custodian of value in an environment that we hope continues to be more open as time goes on. And so consumers can bolt any financial product or experience onto their underlying financial relationship. And so we use the analogy oftentimes, it's not that different than you know a utility provider. You expect your utility company, you probably don't know your utility company very well. You may not even know what their logo looks like, but you know that when you plug something into the wall, it has to work. And so you expect your utility company to be affordable, dependable, stable, secure, and a bit invisible. And we think that's ultimately where banking is going to go. And people are going to go out there and buy their unique versions of a toaster and want to plug it into a wall and just expect it to work. That's really where we view our charge as we go forward over the next you know, 10, 15 years. Hey everyone, this is your host Greg Myers with some exciting news to share. October is Financial Inclusion Month and we're going to be talking about all of the products, services, and ways that the payments and fintech industry help support the underbanked and unbanked. Be on the lookout for the first episode on October 6th. A special thanks to our title sponsors, The Clearinghouse and PaySafe Cash. Now back to the show. Do you think that the trend of non-banks offering checking accounts will continue as one example? I do. I think ultimately consumers are going to separate the transaction experience and the user experience from the provider of the value. And so you, we hear more and more about you know, the challengers out there. If you cut through it, absent a couple of them, it's a user experience on top of an existing bank. And that's a model I think that's going to continue. That's one of the reasons why we built OpenCP. You know, companies that are out there wanting to be a challenger that have superior user experience, superior product ideas, superior product roadmap. And as we all know, a very attractive investment community, a very bullish investment community on fintech, they're the ones out there innovating. And we wanted to build technology that supports that. So yeah, to answer your question, I absolutely believe that we're going to see more and more independent, if you will, consumer applications. 
And then what do you think, so obviously there's some pretty, I guess, obvious would be the right word, types of things like checking accounts and lending. What other financial products do you see these embedded finance companies offering? I think remittance comes to mind right away. As you know, economies are more and more global and customers are located throughout the world, the ability to efficiently move value across borders is going to be more and more important. It already is. And we continue to believe remittance is a key area. Obviously, we're watching crypto very closely and seeing where that goes. And then I think what typically was referred to as a checking account, I think is really just going to turn into digital transactions initiated by a whole variety of appliances, whether it's your phone or your or your watch, or you know, we can even talk about the internet of things, where payment devices are going to be embedded in cars. So you know, when you go through a drive-through or a car wash, payment is taken care of. I think we really try to stay agnostic to the end. We call them appliances, but the end device that's triggering the transaction, and we look at it. Our core function is again custodian of value and move settlement every day. And so the rails that it runs on try to stay as agnostic as possible there to as well as the devices and take our platform our open cp platform and really have it be the gateway to all of those settlement rails and avenues that i just mentioned and you mentioned crypto which i've had a lot of conversations about on this podcast in the last couple of months outside of or besides crypto are there other things that you think are coming in the next 5 10 years we continue to watch micro investing that's not necessarily a new concept, but I think it's going to continue to proliferate itself through folks that never had thought about investing before. And so I think that's going to be very interesting to watch. I mentioned remittances. You know, I think as the economy, whether it's technology, whether it's pandemic related, as technology moves more and more digital, I think digital payments and the application of digital payments is going to continue to morph, if you will, to respond to a much less of a face-to-face transaction environment. So I'm really excited to see where it's going to go. That's one of the reasons why we don't necessarily around here get too caught up in the product because I don't think anybody, from my perspective, I don't think we want to bet right now on a product or a device. I would rather serve as the platform and let innovation run its course and be able to support really any type of payment application because I'm, I'm not sure where it's going to go and I'm not sure I want to place that bet right now. Right. That makes a lot of sense. And I would think you're gaining a lot of insights about the market too through the Falls FinTech. Oh yeah, that's been fantastic to watch. Even in the short time that we've done this, I mentioned that we're on 20 companies. To watch the way products have evolved in that very short period of time, one of the patterns we see right away is that so many of our founders now in cohort four and even in cohort three, we don't talk about plastic cards with them. No one's interested in plastic cards. And so you know, even in a short span of two years, all we're talking about are digital wallets and ways in which transactions can happen absent the physical plastic. And so I think one of the reasons we love false fintech has been not only do we get to see where we think the market is going, but then we'll use false fintech as a bit of our own R&D. You know, that's where we go to want to try and experiment around new technology. And I'll give you a great example. You know, the proliferation of legalized sports betting. How does central payments want to play in that space? As we thought about it, we said, you know what? The best way to do that is let's bring a couple companies through false fintech that are focused on building financial products around legalized sports betting. 
And what a great R&D experience that's been for us because we've had two fantastic companies come through that I think are going to do great things that I'm not sure we would have done if we didn't have an opportunity to spend 12 weeks with them, share with them you know, the way we look at payments, learn the way they're looking at payments and collaboratively build product together. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about you. So tell us about your journey and how you became the CEO there at Central Payments. Sure. I'm a 28-year banker. I'm not 28 years old, as my staff will be quick to point out, but I've been in banking really for uh, for 28 years. I had kind of a unique start. I started as a regulator at the FDIC for the first nine, nine and a half years of my career. And you know, that's a bit unique because you don't think, you know, somebody who started as a regulator to be involved in fintech 20 years later. But, you know, it it really was a valuable experience. Uh, It's a great foundation to understand how payment systems work and the regulation and the way in which the approach to regulation around payment systems. And so super experience there. And then have really been on the banking side ever since and almost always in various forms of consumer payments. And so, you know, when Central Bank reached out and said, hey, we're thinking about our play in fintech and payments, you know, it was only natural for me to say, look, I'm interested, A, and then B, you know, let's build it right here in Sioux Falls. And, you know, I think most people say, you know, Sioux Falls where? But if you know payments and you know sort of the geography of payments here in the U.S., it's very much a hub of payment card issuing, credit cards and prepaid cards and all those things. You can almost always trace them back to a Sioux Falls issuer. I think I heard the other day, 75% of all prepaid cards are issued by, you know, are issued out of Sioux Falls. And so when we built it out, we said, it makes sense to be here. That's where the talent is. That's where the experience is. And it's been a great experience ever since. And so, you know, just always been, always been around payments and really on the banking side more than anything else, but more probably, I'm not sure I own a a suit anymore. So I'm probably not your typical banker, but at the same time, I think the future of banking rests in the way in which banks are going to realize that it's going to be very hard to compete on product and these fintech partnerships are going to be critically important. And that's where we think you know, the future of particularly consumer banking is going to go. And we're just trying to time it right here at Central. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So what is something that you're passionate about? So maybe something on the personal side and something on the business side. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm very passionate about the founder experience. I'm very passionate about founder mental health and the way in which the challenges founders have the tugs and the pulls and the, in some cases, the tug of war that they feel like they're in the middle of. I'm really passionate for the founder experience. And so I love spending time with the companies that come through Falls Fintech. In fact, I spent the whole afternoon one-on-one with each company last week. And we didn't really talk about, you know, how am I going to be the next unicorn? We talked about like, how are you going to deal with all of the pressures and the pushes and the pulls that you're going to have ahead of you? And you know, what are the things you're doing to really prepare yourself for that? So I'm a big fan of that. Recreationally, I, you know, I like the outdoors. I fish and I hunt and I golf and I do all the things you have to do here in South Dakota. We don't enjoy a lot of urban settings here, but we certainly have a wonderful place to call home. And so enjoy all of those good things as well. 
Yeah, great. So I always like to kind of preface this with a little story, but when I started in payments back in 2004 or six, whenever it was, long time ago, I don't even think the word fintech existed back then. And certainly I wasn't looking for a career in payments, kind of fell into it and haven't been able to get out since. But today, kids are graduating from college and they look at this fintech payments industry as a career opportunity, right? With the amount of money being invested in it, and it's really just become a hot sector. So my question is, what kind of advice would you give them? What would you tell someone who's coming right out of college that they should do to be successful with their career in payments? Yeah, I would start with read everything. Read everything out there. Try to become a subject matter expert. Find a mentor. Spend time with a mentor that can help you understand the industry as much, you know, and a little less around maybe the technical aspects of the business. We can learn those things, but understand how the industry works, understand the players and the ecosystem and the environment and the risks. So I encourage, you know, whether it's the companies that are coming through Falls Fintech or we have more or less a constant rotation of interns that come through central payments. I try to tell them all like, look, there's plenty of time to learn the rules and regulations of Visa, MasterCard and Discover, but understand what risk understand profit models, understand the environment and the regulatory environment and read everything you can get your hands on. Yeah, I think that's some great advice. Curious, going to extend that question a little, you mentioned the mental health aspect of the founders. What other type of advice do you typically give? Maybe a younger founder would be the right kind of persona to think about. What kind of advice do you typically give a a younger founder in the space? Expect a failure. I think every good founder can point back to a point of adversity in their founder experience. And in some cases, that's the ultimate adversity and that's failure. And so I think approach failure, don't be afraid of failure, stay aggressive. But more importantly, stay true to what you want to do. There are, with the influx of capital in fintech today, you know, I see more and more founders that are finding themselves having to sacrifice on what they really want to do because investors are pulling them in a different direction that doesn't feel as strategic to them anymore. So do everything you can to kind of find investors that share your vision and share your approach and share your strategy. Because the last thing you want to do is sacrifice, you know, you you spent so much time learning and thinking and planning around what really excites you. Don't get twisted into a direction that you don't feel comfortable going. Yeah, I think that's some great advice. Well, Trent, we've covered a lot of ground already. We've covered, obviously, about the company and all the great things that you guys are doing with the the Accelerator and the OpenCP. We've covered your view of where the industry's heading and then a little bit about you personally. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? No, this has been fantastic, Greg. I'm a big fan of the Leaders in Payments podcast, and uh, I'm just really pleased that uh, we had an opportunity to share the story with you today. Yeah, I really appreciate your time. I know you're busy, so I want to be sensitive to that. But thank you so much again for being on the show today. Absolutely. And to all you listeners out there, I thank you for your time as well. And until the next story. Thank you for joining us this week on the Leaders in Payments podcast. Make sure you visit our website at leadersinpayments.com, where you can subscribe to the show and where you'll find our show notes. If you enjoyed listening, please share on your social channels as well. 